The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E for the song Comb Over that we're using as our intro song this season. James, going to be touching on your latest Farm Futures piece where you recap our, our minor league trip down to South Bend, Indiana. Uh, but first, as we did with Appleton when we were talking about your trip to see the T-Rats, let's grade out South Bend a little bit. 20 to 80 scale. Where are you leaning here for, for South Bend, Indiana? So we we threw a thirty on Appleton, right? I think, so, I think, yeah. I, I, I think that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, I you know I'll go I'll go twenty on South Bend. Oh man, 
I mean, there have to be a certain amount of 20s in the U.S., yeah. right? And, and for low A, for low A town. Well, you know, you're not a, pretty much all, like, you, you should never go to a minor league uh, town and expect it to be a great town. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these towns are sort of uh, kind of run down or in just parts of the country that were, were once a bit more prosperous than they are right now, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, a lot of the parks in the you know, PCL and Cal League are in, in pretty crummy parts of California. Bakersfield. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bakersfield being one of those parts. Uh, yeah, I mean, South Bend, to me, like, we, I was trying to come up with, like, a redeeming quality of the city other than the fact that they have a minor league baseball team, and I really couldn't come up with one. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just kind of a place where you, you know, you, you kind of got a sense of, you know, sort of the, the gap uh, in terms of white and black and, mm-hmm. and kind of the class gap and just, I mean, a lot of the, you know, for it being a, a town that has a, a major university, like yeah. I compare it to like other towns I've been in with, with universities of that sort of scale. And it just seems like everything to do with the town that's not part of the campus specifically are just, it's just kind of run down and forgotten and not really cared about and not a, just not a place that I would really ever want to spend more time than I had to. I completely agree. Unsightly, you know, a lot of un rundown buildings. uh, And I'm not, I'm not trying to crap on like anyone that lives in South Bend. I mean, it's not your fault. Like, yeah, it's not your fault, but uh, it's, it's from a, an outsider's perspective. It's it's definitely kind of jarring just seeing, you know, so many you know junky car lots, a lot of a lot of barbed wire. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed, mm-hmm. and yeah, I agree. For uh, not a very progressive town. Yeah. I didn't get the <laughs> the sense. Yeah, we were actually there on a pretty historic day. It turned out the day that uh, Donald Trump won the Indiana primary. But it's a situation where yeah, we were, we were sitting in front of. Uh, a couple Trump supporters, and uh, you mentioned the, the the clear class. Some hot divide. takes, yeah. Some, some <laughs> definitely some hot takes on the economy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think the the class and racial divide is pretty obvious. And uh, yeah, it's just like you know when you see and you know Notre Dame's there, you expect it to have. I expected to have a little bit more of like you know at least parts of it. And maybe there are that we just didn't see. They were kind of college towny, but it was just more like a rundown. It, city it's like not. almost like my uh where i went to high school and middle school wasa kind of reminded me of wasa wisconsin sure um <laughs> yeah i i mean don't want to don't want to get too off topic here but yeah i mean i'm i'm definitely with you for i mean the the fact that there's a, a major university there you could kind of get the sense that pretty much everyone that graduates from that university leaves town immediately oh. because there was no sense of any sort of young professionals anywhere about no. um or like growing business. No, 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 no. no. It's no. a place you go because it's like kind of in your family or has to do with your religion or uh, heritage. But then as soon as you get your degree, you're out of there. And I think that's that's pretty chucking the deuce. Right. Definitely. <laughs> uh, I will give him credit though. Four Winds Field, pretty nice. Oh yeah, I really like that park. Uh, really nice scoreboard for for a minor league mm-hmm. park. Um, you know the the setup was it was kind of more reminiscent of some spring training fields I've been to than, than some of the minor league parks I've been to. So, yeah, I mean, definitely got to give them props for that. And, but, I mean, I, that's mostly the, the Cubs. Yeah, exactly. And they've uh, – yeah, that would be a bright spot if I, if I were living there. But 
Let's talk about some of the prospects we saw. Eddie Julio Martinez, probably the most well-known uh, prospect that we saw. You mentioned here probably the highest ownership in dynasty leagues, uh, keeper leagues among the players we saw. Wasn't particularly impressive, I didn't think, but I, I liked how quiet he was in the batter's box, hands really quiet. And we did uh, see him not just single, which you have a video of, some really nice videos. Uh, we're sitting behind the plate, but nice videos in your latest uh, Farm Futures article. Definitely check that out, rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial. But, James, what did you see from Eddie Julio Martinez? So the the whole kind of package, physicality, tools that I was sort of led to believe was going to be on display with him just based on reports I'd read uh, were not really on display. The you just starting with the physical uh, you know, he's listed at six one, buck ninety five. I think that both of those uh, measurements and, and listings are pretty generous. The Andrew Jones comps that I had seen uh, just don't really hold water given the the frame, the lack of I, I didn't see plus speed. I mean I, I don't we didn't have a ton of opportunities to really get a good gauge on the speed, but we did see him running home to first. We saw him uh, get started on what was going to be a look like a hit and run or an attempted steal that was then uh, called back with a with a foul ball and saw him make some plays in the outfield. But you know, at, at no point was I like, "Well, man, this guy can really move." Uh, the the narrow waist, I think, was one of the first things that stuck out. I mean, you mentioned how quiet his hands were in the box. The other main thing that like stands out immediately is that he's just not very thick in the lower half and it just very lean in the waist down through the legs sort of in the way that you would kind of uh, expect to see a middle infield prospect or maybe just a, a speed first center fielder uh, certainly not a, a prototypical right fielder's body but I think that's kind of where the Cubs are most comfortable with him because he does have the arm for right and he's I think his his speed probably plays better in right than it does in center uh, but the big question will be whether or not the bat plays in right. And I, I think that's definitely to be determined. But I, what I don't think is to be determined is, you know, this isn't going to be a guy that, that cruises through the minors. I mean, at 21 years old, uh, I compared him to, you know, Yasiel Puig, another Cuban. Puig debuted when he was 21, and Puig just cruised through that Dodgers system. I mean, he skipped multiple stops on his way to the big leagues as a 21-year-old. And kind of flashback to then, I think Puig entering that season, his pedigree was kind of on the, the same level that Martinez's was entering this season, mm-hmm. but they're just not even close developmentally. I think Martinez is going to be a, a one-year-at-a-time, up-the-ladder type of guy, at least uh, barring just a, a big step forward in, in the coming months. So I, I, I just wasn't as impressed. Like He was the guy that I thought could, had a chance to really kind of wow the way that Isan Diaz did in, in my first stop of the season and just wasn't really like that at all. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned a couple weeks ago and then again just right now, but he, yeah, I, I like to look for some more lower body thickness from him. I mean, the the backside, the thigh is just really, really scrawny. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem like even with, you know, the the uh, uh, batter's box, the stance of the batter's box and him being quiet – and the kind of uppercut swing doesn't seem like he's going to be able to generate enough torque with that lower body to to really hit for much power. No, and you, you, yeah, you mentioned the uppercut. It, it's not the type of swing that I'd like to see a guy his size and with his 
years in the minor leagues going up to the plate with you know i mean mm -hmm. i think you'd like to see him just focusing on getting good at bats you know working on taking the ball the other way just kind of go gap to gap and yeah. and just kind of let the power come when it comes I feel, yeah, at his stage i feel Absolutely. like he's just kind of trying to live up to to expectations of him being a, a power hitter and and really kind of going for that at, at the plate and i mean you know, maybe down the road that, that does kind of come into focus a bit more. But, uh, you know, I think he, he's going to be a pretty slow mover, a guy that, you know, if you can get, say, a top 60, top 70-ish prospect back for him in a trade, I'd, I'd really consider doing that right now. Yeah, that Roosnick Castillo 2.0 comp you put at the very end could be, you say, uh, that's a red flag. <laughs> I mean – Obviously, the verdict's out, and it's going to be several years before we know exactly what he is. But I think if I'm if I'm an owner in a keeper league, hearing that uh, makes me real anxious, and I would be looking to, to make a move right away. But is he still – I mean, he's 21 right now, but is he still knocking off some rust after some time off yeah. after defecting from Cuba? I, I'm not going to move him too far down my ranks because of this viewing. I just – I think it's too premature. I, I just – he was a guy that I ranked inside my top 100 coming in the year, and I kind of saw a, a legit chance that he would just really shoot up the list as <laughs> as the year went on, and and that's definitely not going to happen. Uh, I still think that you know the overall package could be kind of a you might get some kind of Ian Desmond esque production, you know, prime Ian Desmond that that could kind of be his his prime season. So not as valuable as Desmond because it'll come in the outfield, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point with him, the the layoff for him between signing and everything like that. Uh, it's it's just, it's not kind of what I was hoping to see. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to Eloy Jimenez. Uh, straighten it out, Eloy! There was a lady <laughs> sitting by us who was a season ticket owner who uh, was adamant that every foul ball was hit was just because the hitter needed to straighten it out. She was a nice lady. Nice lady. Um, season ticket holder, I, yeah, I... Kicked us out of her seat, which is understandable. Yeah, yeah. She had her name, you know, in <laughs> yeah. engraved on the seat. Yeah, uh, which I like is, that. Which is pretty baller. Uh, definitely but, on a first-name basis with all the players. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And th they definitely heard her, too, because oh, yeah. she, she made Loud sure that they were heard. So uh, a lot of straighten it out, which I just <laughs> thought was pretty funny. But Jimenez, I agree with you, what did she say here? Most impressive physical specimen uh, on the field in these games and – the video you have of his double to left field is is nice and a nice swing there. Big guy listed at I think six six four two oh five, and and I noticed you know you can kind of see it on this double, but there was a play too where he went from second to home on a on a base hit and just seemed to be moving well for a guy his size. But what are the uh, tools that really stand out to you? Just the the raw power, the projection for plus in-game power down the road is kind of the the carrying tool for him and it could even it could even end up being like 65 or 70 power uh, down the road I mean he's just 19 actually younger than Isan Diaz on the Brewers side so uh, for him to be putting up the numbers he's putting up even if I mean you factor in the the BABIP he's got like a 400 BABIP so that's part of the reason why he's hitting 292 right now but he's you know he's a legitimate potential middle of the order threat like number four number mm -hmm. five type hitter 
the batting average probably won't be all that high. It's mostly to the pull side right now. I'm not sure how well his, his all-fields approach will be down the road. Uh, the the speed you talked about, I mean, that's obviously this is about as fast as he's ever going to be. It's only going to you know tick down from here. So while he might be like a 45 runner, 50 runner now, uh, that's going to be down in the, the 40, yeah, it 35 It looks good range. for his size right, right now, but as he adds more bulk. So I, I think what you're kind of hoping for here is is a – I mean, he'll be playing left field. Uh, it's a right fielder's body, but I think I think left is his eventual home. So it's just going to be all about the bat, all about the power. Could end up being like a, a 260 average type of guy with with 25 plus homers, which is valuable in all formats. And you you follow up the video of the double with a video of him chasing a pitch outside of the zone. Strikeouts have been there, which isn't all that surprising for for a slugger like this, uh, but. It, what kind of what kind of adjustments is he going to have to make uh, to really succeed and earn that promotion up to high? I, yeah, I don't think the Cubs are in a hurry to to get him going up there. It's it's probably going to be a year at a time with him as well. They've they've done that with uh, with guys in their system that, that haven't been you know the, the Chris Bryant, Addison Russell type of phenoms. So. Uh, and that's kind of good. I think that's good for a guy like Jimenez to really kind of get into a groove, focus on, on like one minor detail, you know, maybe each couple weeks or, you know, one, de- one detail a month and just try to get straightened out. I think you're never going to see a guy with this kind of swing and miss get it all the way down to like striking out 15% of the time or anything like that. But if you can just work on, on getting in some, some better hitters counts, uh, early on, then you know breaking balls outside won't be as as prevalent, and he he won't have to see as many of them. So I mean I don't expect him to lay off of a good slider out of the zone, but uh, as long as he can just kind of get himself in more fastball counts, I think that would be really beneficial. So you mentioned that he was the most impressive hitter on the South Bend Cubs. I forget exactly where you had him in relation to Eddie Julio Martinez, but are they, is he going to possibly? Uh, leap him? Uh, or is he I wouldn't. To begin with? I, I'm not going to have him leap Martinez. Um, and a lot of, the, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, not a lot of it, but some of it is because in a dynasty league, I still think you're going to get more. It, like, not everyone's going to read this article. <laughs> so uh, I think you should be able to get more for Eddie Martinez than Eli Jimenez if you're trying to move one of them in a dynasty league. Uh, Jimenez I still had outside my top 100 I believe on the last update and uh, Martinez was inside of it so uh, notable gap I had Eli Jimenez at 123 um, in my mind I think they're they're probably right next to each other I might even take Jimenez if if pressed between the two but I think in in almost all formats you should be able to get a better haul if you're shopping the two out of, I think out that's, that's really important because you know, all things considered, you know, a lot of these prospects are kind of like you know just stocks on your team because, you know, if you're competing, you know you want to you want to sell some of these guys to to boost the major league roster, and if you can get more for a guy like Martinez, it only makes sense to have him higher on the prospect list. But let's talk about Donnie Dewey's coming in. You know, he, the numbers were pop jumped off the page and had by far the best numbers on this team. But I, I wasn't particularly impressed. I mean, he does run well, but uh, we saw, especially a, a couple times, uh, I think in the second game, 
was actually it was in the first game, but he was challenged with with high heat. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even that hard. It was only like ninety miles per hour, and that was on the stadium gun, which is uh, clearly boosted up a little bit. But uh, yeah, even that kind of velocity, he had trouble catching up with, and he's already twenty two. But can you give some reason for maybe some reason for optimism here? Well, he's got at least plus speed right now. I with the video that I posted of him beating out an infield single, I collect him at three seven four from from home to first, which is definitely really? a, a plus time from the left side. He's probably gonna this is, you know, like with Jimenez and Martinez, theoretically this is probably as fast as he's ever gonna be. So by the time he gets to the big leagues it might not be quite uh, 65 or, or 70 speed, probably closer to 60, maybe even 55. Uh, you can kind of see areas where he's going to be able to get on base. He does have a, you know, he's he's taken walks, uh, really good at, at hitting balls middle and down in the zone, uh, sitting back on off-speed stuff. Like you said, the, the high heat's going to be an issue for him. Doesn't have... You know, I, I would say it might even be generous to say that he has average bat speed, mm-hmm. but the, the good approach will allow him to uh, recognize pitches, uh, especially off-speed pitches, and, and drive those balls. You could maybe see like a this is this is kind of a pathetic comp because they're both just short white guys that play up <laughs> the middle in the outfield. But I mean, he, he could kind of do Adam Eaton type of things <laughs> at the big league level. But you know, I, I wanted to stress also that. With these three guys being in the Cubs system, I just they're gonna really have to impress as they move up the ladder for them to profile as part of that team's future. Mm-hmm. Because you have all the guys at the big league level, you have Albert Almora, Billy McKinney, Ian Happ, all closer to the big leagues, all better prospects right now than than these guys in real life, and. So that really puts a lot of pressure on these guys to not be kind of one-dimensional players, but to offer value with the glove as well as the bat. And yeah. so you could just look at a guy like Dewey's as someone who they just kind of look at and they don't really see a, a place for him in the next four or five years. So maybe he, he's a guy that they trade to another team that, that's really kind of searching for uh, a long-term top-of-the-order uh, threat that can play center and left. Yeah, I think you're right about you know, him needing to develop another aspect to his game. It can't be this one-dimensional. And I have real questions about, you know, if he's unable to catch up to you know, high 80s, low 90s right now, uh, is he going to be able to add bulk and enough strength to increase that bat speed to catch up to, you know, mid, mid-90s at the major league level? I think it's a real question. Uh, but if, if any players walk up music hurt their stock, in my eyes, it was Donnie Dewey's. I forget. I mean, what? that techno song? Oh, about, okay. Like, Bus Boys? Yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, nobody's walk-up mu- music helped their stock in this stop. <laughs> I don't, this I don't is think. very true. Uh, that's, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to, to really. I'm kidding, but. I, no, no, I mean, it, I mean it, it, no, I'm, I'm serious. Fair criticism. I'm serious. Harsh, but fair. <laughs> um, should we touch on these pictures and then get yeah. on to the. Yeah, we have a bunch of requests. Uh, People hitting might, us up on Twitter. Might do some more of this yeah. in future episodes, like especially this. just kind of depending on you know we usually talk about my article, but there there weren't even you know we're not talking about any top fifty prospects here, borderline top seventy five prospects even. So don't mind getting to a couple uh, listener tweets. Yeah, but, but let's first talk about a couple of guys on the 
Timber Rattler's side. Freddie Peralta had a really nice outing in the second game. It was cold, kind of – it was a little rainy, mm-hmm. uh, but really impressive outing. I think he, was it only one hit over six innings? Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. Uh, over five, over five, five innings. innings. Okay. Still impressive and uh, wasn't throwing super hard, but what did you sp- see uh, with the entire repertoire there? So he was pretty much – exclusively fastball and i saw i saw a handful of breaking balls uh or off speed stuff that was kind of in the 80 82 mile an hour range usually down at the hitter's feet but he's able to dominate low a hitters just with that fastball because of the arm angle that that low three quarters delivery he's kind of changing the plane on the fastball he's uh, manipulating speeds without really throwing max effort and, and you know was it was like 88 to 92 but it was kind of a calculated 88 to 92 where you know you take a little bit off here add a little bit there and you're going to have hitters looking pretty silly trying to chase that and then that that arm angle is just so tough to to kind of pick it up out of the, out of the hand that it, it probably adds three or four miles an hour to what the hitter thinks he's seeing there so i think you know just with that fastball uh he'll be able to advance in in the lower levels as a starter but in the end with just kind of you know basically one and a half pitches and a 511 frame and and that delivery it just kind of screams uh late inning reliever to me yeah i'm with you Uh, impressive but yeah when you you see him on the mound it's not somebody that really looks like a guy profiles as a major league starter uncertain if you know how many innings will be able to put on that arm from year to year and it's look i mean it's really early in the developmental process for him he's at low a if he adds uh, another plus pitch which is not inconceivable then you know say he adds like a say his slider gets to plus and then then he's throwing like a 45 50 change up that might be enough to to get it done in the rotation and I, i think even if he doesn't add those things, he could be a guy that can turn a lineup over a couple times before, you know, maybe maybe gets through four, four and a half innings before handing it over to the bullpen. But there's not really a place for a guy like that in mm-hmm. the big leagues. Most teams are just going to have that guy go pitch in the bullpen. So uh, don't want to write him off just yet, but don't look at his numbers at low A and be like, oh, man, this is the big sleeper in my league. i got to go brush out and grab Maybe the most impressive prospect on either side that we saw uh, – and you talked about him last week. We talked about him on the pod, but Hassan Diaz, leading off for the Brewers, uh, for well, for the Timber Rattlers in one game. But what was really impressive was when he belted an opposite field home run uh, from the left side. Took it deep, or yeah, took deep to left field. Uh, pretty pretty impressive. Only 19 years old, one of the youngest players on that team. What is the upside with a guy like Hassan Diaz? Yeah, I mean, he his his batting average is not reflective of what I've seen in my two stops to to watch him, and uh, definitely a, a guy that I'd be trying to buy low if if I could in a, in a league that maybe rosters 150 prospects, and if somebody's freaking out because that 204 average, you know, he's getting on base at a 308 clip and just striking out 22% of the time. The BABIP is, is pretty obviously a, a big part of that. We saw him make a couple hard hit outs in the, the first game, and then that, that obviously that Apple Field homer, very impressive. Uh, the power, given his size and his age, 
and his level is is very impressive. You don't really see that from shortstops at low A who haven't turned 20 yet. Mm-hmm. He put on a better batting practice display than a guy like Monty Harrison, who's who's got a year and five inches and probably 20, 30 pounds on him, which doesn't make a ton of sense. But it's it's really impressive in Diaz's case. So uh, just came away impressed once again with him, and, and he's probably – uh, one of the more undervalued commodities in Dynasty Leagues right now. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, there's some buzz when he came over in the Segura trade, but I think stock is is really trending upward in a major way right now. Would you agree that he is the most impressive player on either side? Yeah, and it it really wasn't all that close for yeah. me. And I I didn't expect to – the only guy that I could really envision being more impressive was Eddie Martinez, and that wasn't really that close, so – uh, yeah, Diaz. Yeah, we'll we'll probably get to see him when we go to the uh, Midwest League All Star Game uh, in a month or two here. So yeah, that that'll be exciting too. So and yeah, enjoy sure. watching him every chance we get. Definitely. Anything else you want to throw out here? Is either nah. uh, with some of these Brewers hitters. I mean, yeah. well, I'll, I'll just say Justin Steele's a guy that uh, I think he crept onto the the Cubs uh, top ten at a certain point last year when he was just blowing away hitters in uh, short season ball but I don't know if it's just the early in the year or, or what was going on but the the velo was down under 90 miles an hour he was kind of sitting 89 with the fastball probably threw his fastball less than 50 percent of the time because of that the curveball flashed plus but when when he's throwing 89 it doesn't really matter and he wasn't really, he was struggling to locate as well so uh, not a guy that I think should be owned in, in most formats right now. And Jake Gatewood of the Brewers, we, we saw him hit a home run, but the pitch that was thrown was just grooved. I mean, it, it was, was it was a really meaty Wainwright pitch. Wainwright to Jeter style. It was just <laughs> so much meat on those bones. But the approach, you know, from at bat to at bat that we saw was pretty much the same. Uh, a lot of a lot of flaws there. But let's move on, James. Talk about some of the the players that were requested uh, from from. Uh, Twitter followers, and we got some good ones. We'll start with Jeff Shannon. Uh, his request to talk about Joe Musgrove and at, at Double A, but numbers really, really outstanding. And the Astros have had some troubles at the back end of that major league rotation. And you know, somebody asked about him on my Fab article this week, and I was thinking, yeah, I definitely have to spotlight him this coming week because uh, I think in in AL only leagues. 12-team male only leagues. He makes some sense as a, a last uh, as a stash with the last bench spot, but uh, what do you think of Joe Musgrove? Yeah, I watched his last start uh, against Frisco. It's a pretty good Frisco lineup. Uh, Lewis Brinson's on that team, and Musgrove was pretty impressive. He's he's a really advanced pitcher for, for double-A, really can locate a fastball, mid-90s pitch and at 6'5 he he kind of creates a really nice downward plane the fastball is really heavy uh, a lot of sink like, nice sinking action generates ground balls uh, and that that pitch is kind of his bread and butter and he can get through uh, a double a outing you know throwing that pitch 60 70 percent of the time curveball I thought was his second best offering and can flash plus when he locates it properly it doesn't it's not a pitch that's generating out of zone chases right now but when he starts it uh over the plate and it and it just falls 
to hitters' feet, and that they're usually kind of helpless to resist it. So that that pitch can be an out pitch when he when he uses it correctly. Uh, the the fastball I also thought could could get pretty hittable when he was working lower in the zone, but hitters really didn't have any chance of squaring it up when he when he was working up. So I think that that's going to be key for him. Uh, I agree. In, in AL only leagues, he should be rostered. I'm actually going to put a, a zero dollar bid in on him in, in stake league. He's not going to be my primary target, but just as kind of a backup move. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a deep mixer. So I mean, I think he he can be rostered in, in some of those deeper formats right now. Seventeen teams. Yeah, uh, Brad Peacock is really pitching well at AAA. Surprisingly, right now, Asher Wojciechowski is also kind of in the mix there. If if they really need a, a spot starter or a quick fill in guy, but. Uh, Musgrove, I think, does join the rotation at some point this summer. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's a question of if, but a matter of when with him this year. Mm-hmm. I saw one prospect analyst on Twitter, forget who it was, uh, but he also mentioned Francis Martis, and this was before the start of the season, mm-hmm. but as an option to maybe help the team this summer. Off to kind of a rocky start, though. He's also at double-A. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, I, I mean, I like Martis more long-term. Yeah. But I just don't think 2016's going to be much of his year. Yeah, already enduring yeah. those growing pains. But uh, definitely an intriguing player. A guy I took in uh, our staff keeper league to auction, actually, for a buck. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have him inside near the top 50 in terms of overall prospects, right? Yeah, he's got a couple plus pitches, and, or a couple double plus pitches, actually. Uh, still a little bit of reliever risk with him, given the, the workload in prior seasons. But... The, the upside definitely warrants him being in the top 50. Guys, a quick word from our sponsor. Do you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, The drag-and-drop editor, there is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Frank Aquila wants to know about Roman Quinn. Who's a player I saw actually in the, I think it was the 2014 Fall League. Impressed by the speed, but I didn't really see much else there. What are your kind of, uh, what are your, is your analysis of the tools overall offensive profile? I just think he's a lot like Malik Smith, and he's further away. And all all the concerns I had for Smith apply for Quinn. I don't know if he's going to make enough contact or get on base enough for that speed to really play. Uh, it could, but I mean that's a that's a legitimate risk. And I don't I don't think you know if you're in a league where you're thinking about stashing Quinn for 2016. It's it's got to be really deep, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just don't see him. You know, even if he was just killing it at Double A right now, which he's not, then I th- I still think it would be kind of a stretch to see him up 
before September. And so I, I just I think there's a legit chance we don't see him at all this year. And I don't really see him as an everyday outfielder long term. I mean the 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 blazing speed makes him a top two hundred guy for me just because there is always that chance that he that he becomes that that one category monster, but uh, you know if you, if you don't love Malik Smith right now, then you probably shouldn't love Roman Quinn either. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good call. Uh, Neil Wilding wants to know about Jorge Lopez and Josh Hader. Now, Lopez was a guy you were kind of high on as maybe a sneaky, um, you know, twenty sixteen option, but it hasn't really been able to put it together so far down at Colorado Colorado Springs. Uh, Brewers AAA affiliate. What's been the problem with, with Jorge Lopez to this point? The command and the control has been a complete mess. You know, part of that might be Colorado Springs uh, and maybe him taking some of those troubles on the road with him. But I mean, it is happening kind of regardless of the park right now for him. I, I just, I'm not downgrading him much for long term. And I still think he's going to kind of figure this out and he will get to the big leagues at some point this year but I no longer think that he's a guy that needs to be stashed in standard leagues I think you could probably justify keeping him in, in NL onlys but it's just you know he, he's a good a good month from being back on the the radar I think as a, mm-hmm. as a call-up option for that Brewers team because they just what's the point in rushing a guy that's struggling up to the big leagues even even when you're uh, kind of in rebuilding mode. I think you want to get him kind of settled back in at AAA before you start to entertain that notion. Yeah, and, you know, not getting much from their options in the rotation right now, but throwing a guy like that to the Wolves uh, do much more harm than good. So Josh Hader, uh, he's clearly ahead of, of Lopez in terms of 2016 stashes for you. Yeah, and I, I think that it's the, – the team said Hader was not considered for the last – the last time they needed a starter, obviously wasn't considered again this time as Tyler Cravey's back on his way up to, to make a spot start. But I, I do think Hader, you know, it, it's – you look at what he's doing against double-A hitters, they can't really do anything against him. I could see a case for skipping him at Colorado Springs altogether and just kind of seeing what you have in him at the big league level because, to me, there's nothing about him that's going to fail against – triple a like it it won't be anything that he's doing wrong against triple a hitters i don't don't think i mean it's either going to work or it's not going to work against big league hitters in terms of turning the lineup over more than two times with the the questionable third pitch there so i I just think it it makes a lot of sense to give him a trial run this summer in that big league rotation and just sort of see if he can care i mean it's been a, a crazy uh past 12 months for him in terms of how effective he's been and i think that there's a legit chance he could just get that call to the big leagues and not really skip a beat yeah uh drew fc has a, has a list of players here four players can you just give us maybe quickly your thoughts and maybe a recap of what you're seeing from guys like sean newcomb forrest wall Rymel Tapia, and anthony alford yeah so sean newcomb is a guy that I was way down on before the season relative to other uh, prospect guys, and I, it's kind of the same story with him. I mean, he's still walking way too many guys. Like, it's not even close. Like, it, it, the ERA is nice, but I don't know how you can walk as many guys as he's walking right now and hope to have really any success in the big leagues. Now, 
Robert Stevenson's a guy who I also kind of thought that way about coming into the year. And, you know, he had he kind of had a what appeared to be a little bit of a, a change in approach where he was willing to kind of give up some of those strikeouts in order to just get the get big league hitters to put the ball in play, mm-hmm. generate some weak contact, and, and trust his defense. I think Newcomb would really kind of benefit from, from that type of a, a change in approach. But as long as he's walking guys at this pace, it's just really hard for me to project him confidently to, to be a starter long-term. And then Forrest Wall, kind of a bit of a slump right now, just 20 years old at high A, but there's nothing. I mean, the K rate's slightly up, but you'd, you'd kind of expect that a guy just getting used to a new level. No real cause for concern in, in my mind there. Tapia is a guy who we've talked about before, kind of a divisive prospect. Uh, he's been really unlucky on balls in play. Haven't gotten to to see him specifically, so I can't really say if that's just him really struggling to make hard contact or if he's just been legitimately unlucky. But I do think if you're in a league that rosters 100-plus guys, he's a good buy-low candidate. If it's a league that rosters like 50, 60 guys, then I'd probably – Imagine you could find someone better on waivers. Anthony Alford, kind of like the opposite of Tapia in that he's just extremely safe but doesn't have crazy upside. I mean, he's not going to be an outfield two in any formats, but he, he just returned uh, from missing a month with a knee injury. He's a guy that I've thrown a, a had a Denard Span comp on him for a while. I just really think he's going to be that type of high average uh good good amount of steals and just a ton of runs just thanks to that that crazy good approach that he offers at the top of the lineup now friend of the program mike chess has a question but before we move on to that i want to ask you about a couple of sean newcomb's organizational mates and dansby swanson and ozzy albies both really kind of forcing their ha- uh, the team's hands climbing that minor league ladder quickly uh albies now at triple a mm-hmm. and you mentioned you know we had uh time on that road trip you mentioned you think you could, we could see maybe both at the major league level this year? Uh, what's the reasoning behind that? Just given how uh, quickly they're they're coming up. Yeah, I mean, I, the team seems pretty dead set on at least challenging these guys. I mean, I that that obviously hinges on both of them succeeding at their their new levels. Albie's up at AAA. He's off to a bit of a rough start there which is understandable considering he's 19 years old. Uh, Dansby Swanson, not so much. I mean, he's off to a great start at double-A. It's, it's pretty likely in my mind that you're going to see both of these guys starting up the middle for them for at least you know five, six weeks in the second half and, and possibly more than that just because they want to get a look at, at kind of what this looks like, what this middle infield tandem looks like. Nobody else on that roster figures to, to play up there for them long term. So, but can can that organization start that that service clock? Uh, I think it. I think you can. I mean, the Braves are the team that called Jason Hayward up on opening day and and burned a year uh, service time from him just because they deemed not the him same ready. regime, of course. Um, and. Yeah, I mean, there there were some voices though that are that are still there that that uh, yeah, were part true. of that regime, um, and I, I I think it's you're you're already you've already got that extra year of control. The the J two stuff, or I mean the the Super two stuff is is going to be a factor, but I don't think these guys are going to force their hand in mid June. I think we're going to be talking about July. 
I've already added Dansby Swanson in one league that's kind of a shallower keeper league, so there is a keeper component to it. I wouldn't suggest adding him in just a, a shallower 2016 league, but I could justify adding both of these guys in deeper 2016 leagues if you're uh, – really hurting for middle infield help because it, it's you know Ozzy Albies is gonna have to hit to get up there but I, I don't really see Dansby Swanson not hitting enough to get up and it'll just be kind of interesting to sort of see which guy sticks at shortstop which guy sticks at second base yeah so I see where you come from I think and I certainly value your opinion it's, could see a scenario where both get up this year but I was reading a prospect chat with Ben Badler uh of uh Baseball Prospectus, right? Yeah. Uh, Baseball America. Baseball America, sorry. Uh, but he was saying that you know he just doesn't see why the the team would do that. You mentioned they have gained that extra year of control, but they could gain you know another one if they kept them down until early next year. Uh, but yeah, I think you know, and he said you know maybe unless they get caught up in kind of a, you know an emotional PR type of move, but uh, maybe that's what they need to do because. They have that new stadium, and it seems like interest in Atlanta is at an all-time low. With you know about, seems like ten to fifteen thousand uh, attendees per game. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's a kind of about giving guys, uh, chat continuing to challenge guys, and I definitely, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if neither guy made it up this year given those concerns but I, I do think there are multiple schools of thought that go into prospect development that aren't entirely monetary mm-hmm. and you know for guys like this that you're you're kind of building around long term I, I think that they they probably think that they're closer to competing than a lot of people do uh, given the the pitching depth in the organization and the guys that are kind of knocking on the door in that regard so I could see a pretty strong case if both of these guys are just really kind of maxed out in the in the minor leagues to to give them to start that developmental process against big league pitching. Um, and you know another guy worth hitting on really quickly with the Braves that that will be up this year, barring an injury, I think, is Lucas Sims, who is last I checked leading the minor leagues in strikeouts. Uh, got roughed up in his last outing, but you know we saw him in the AFL. He's walking, walking a good good amount of guys. Sixteen walks in thirty innings, but the the strikeouts have been kind of off the charts at AAA. Just twenty one years old. Uh, he'll be turning twenty two here in a couple weeks. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I think Sims is definitely worth a stash in deeper leagues, just because he is at AAA. You're looking at a rotation right now where. You got Mike Fultonevich, who's who's really not performing even after it's it's a small sample, but um, they're going to give guys like Sims and Tyrell Jenkins uh, a chance to sort of, sort of show what they have here. Now, Mike Chess, he wants to know if Byron Buxton and Jameson Tyon are this year's Rubenet Odor and Stephen Matz, and I think with the the Byron Odor comp, he's really getting at you know Odor demoted early last year after really scuffling out of the gate, but then returned and had a real nice run. Uh, then Tyon, of course, came up and helped out. He was injured uh, shortly after getting the call, but uh, was valuable when on the field nonetheless. Do you see Buxton following kind of that, that Odor path where maybe he makes some adjustments, figures some things out, and comes up and, and has a lot more success upon his return? I do, but I don't think it'll be as quickly as with Odor. 
Like, I, I still would love to trade for Byron Buxton in a dynasty league, but for 2016 purposes, you know, Odor, if I remember correctly, like, wasn't it just sort of a bad luck thing with him? Like, I mean, he didn't, he definitely didn't have the contact issues that Buxton had. Uh, really, Odor's never had those contact issues at any point. So, to me, it was very easy. And it was kind of, painfully obvious to people that are paying attention when he was at triple a that he's going to be back up soon and is a guy that should not be dropped uh and the rangers were trying to compete you know they were competing for a playoff spot i I don't see the twins competing for anything this year i think buxton's struggles at the big leagues were were a lot more pronounced than odor's last year so and i think that he's been rushed in the minors more than Odor had been mm-hmm. so I think it makes more sense to give Buxton a longer stay at AAA before bringing him back up and yeah he has more to figure out so I, I, sure. I get the comp in the sense that they're guys who were struggling were sent back down and are kind of inevitably going to be up but I think with Odor where it was like he was down for three or four weeks I think with Buxton he'll be down for two months maybe mm-hmm. And thoughts on Tyon? Does he maybe beat Glass now? He might. I think that's a tough situation to figure out if you're not kind of inside the baseball ops offices there. I could see a lot of arguments for giving Tyon that call up first, especially if you think that, you know, given his age, given the the injury history that you kind of want to start getting those innings from him at the big league level he I don't think he has the the flaw like we talked to Doug Thorburn about Tyler Glasnow on the XM show a couple weeks ago Glasnow's got a lot of potential but there's some stuff that he's still trying to work out in the minor leagues despite I mean he's got the stuff where the the numbers are going to look good no matter what but I could see them being a bit more patient with glass now and possibly giving Ty on that nod first. But I, I do get the, the Matt Syndergaard comp that Mike's thrown out there because uh, Ty on had sort of been the forgotten man coming into the year. And not that Matt's was a forgotten man last year, but in leagues where people aren't maybe paying attention as much, you, know, you might still be able to grab Ty on off waivers. Well, James, we appreciate the insight as always. That's going to do it for the prospect portion of the Roadwire Prospect Podcast, but we are going to grade out our latest hip hop artist. Uh, grade the f- five tools we've established for evaluating hip hop artists. Grade them on the twenty to eighty scouting scale. Lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, and swag. And at the request of another Twitter user, grading Kanye West today. And I, I feel like maybe some of these grades are going to be a little polarizing. Yeah, I I think probably worth pointing out at the jump. Um, that I am a big, big, big Kanye West fan. You probably not as much. Um, not a big fan. Like I've, I mean, I respect his work. I've had, I've probably logged as many hours listening to Kanye as probably any hip hop artist over the past decade or so, and a lot of that is just the uh, kind of steady stream of albums that he's pumped out over that time, all of which I've. Uh, really kind of listen to at length so it's 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 definitely sort of we're coming from sort of two different places here i think i think i need to point out that you know this is probably not fair to kanye but his his public persona public shtick 
in other endeavors have kind of worn on me a little bit and maybe taken I, away from some of these grades. Like I, his fashion line? Come on. I'm I'm kind of the opposite there um, where I don't let those kind of sway me at all. Like mm. I, I definitely have my opinions of him in his personal life, but it, they're separate from – like I don't take those, I don't carry those with me when I when I go to listen to his music. Yeah, maybe overexposure, maybe title. I mean, get the hell out of here with title. But uh, I guess it's not really on Kanye. But uh, and his, some of his tweets are just pretty twenty. But all right, let's start with lyricism because we both agree here. Forty five. Not I, I expect a little bit higher from you, but you kind of you sent out a tweet earlier today. You kind of point out that uh, the highs are high, but the lows are are pretty darn low. Yeah, he's got a. You know, people that have listened to Life of Pablo, I mean, there's a Bleach line that uh, is on the second song of the album that kind of takes that song from being just an all-time great Kanye West song to being just a, a pretty good song just with one bad line. And he's got lines like that on other tracks, too. He's got a, a Nazis line on, on his third album that it really is, is really confusing and sort of jarring. Um and there's just some general awful lyrics at times on, on some of his songs, but then there's also really, really high points in the, the lyricism aspect of, of his material. I think like late registration and watch the throne are both, you know, I'd I'd give those at least 70 lyricism from him throughout. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then there's, there's just too many parts in his career specifically his last two albums and kind of parts of college dropout where uh it's just the you kind of shake your head and you're just like well thank thank goodness that beat was awesome because if that had been somebody rapping over a a bunk beat then then nobody's listening to this right yeah and if anybody else besides Kanye West had spit that lyric I mean, they probably would have gotten some serious shade thrown their way. And the, <laughs> well, the, no, the Taylor he, Swift. He still gets. His, yeah, he does. He still gets like rightfully I, so. I have a lot of like I have a lot of buddies that are just diehard Kanye West fans that'll uh, that'll point out without prompting like how bad some of his lyrics are. I mean, to, it, it's a tough. He's a tough guy to grade on our scale because I think the thing that he brings to the table that is most valuable is just kind of his his production and his mm-hmm. ability to uh, put the proper people on tracks and, and mm-hmm. arrange the tracks properly on an album uh, that just doesn't really get covered in any of these five categories. So in that sense, I mean, it, it's kind of a lot like, you know, if you're grading out Dr. Dre, like none of what he really, really brings to the table is really covered in any yeah, of these five true. categories. Yeah, uh, he kind of transcends the label of just a hip-hop artist because, yeah, uh, he's a producer, of course, and he's really kind of, as as he describes, a, a gospel rapper more than anything. Uh, so he doesn't really fit the mold of your traditional hip-hop artist. Yeah, I'd take issue with that claim of his, <laughs> that he's, he's a gospel rapper. I don't, I don't really by that but um and i mentioned that taylor swift lyric i'm not trying to defend taylor swift you can go after taylor swift if you want but that's just a 20 lyric yeah and just not good uh throwing shade at ray j on his last album that just didn't make any sense i mean i got i got ray j's back uh i think i think ray j and reggie bush kind of had the right idea with uh the way they went yeah. about things there see that's where <laughs> we're talking about this later but that that factored into my swag <laughs> um all right so flow 
I went with a 65. You have a 50. Yeah. Look, I mean, sometimes it's kind of like with lyricism. There's some, he has his moments, but I think overall, the flow is not really where he shines. I think it's, it's again, the beats and, and yeah, putting people in the right spots to, to succeed and the, the, uh, I mean, he's had, yeah, again, he's had his moments, but I don't think the flow is, is sta- a standout tool for me. Yeah, I think he's um, a, a, got a plus flow overall. There are spots where I would not uh, say that, but he's, a lot of his flows, I just sort of wonder, like, nobody else could even come close to pulling this off. Uh you know the the kind of going from from sort of singing to rapping like in in the same song like it, it's not everyone's cup of tea but it's also uh basically impossible for like 99% of rappers to to pull off like i don't i don't like i think his worst album by far is 808 and heartbreaks but just to kind of have the confidence to kind of put out whatever album he wants to put out. Yeezus, a lot of people didn't like just because it was a completely different uh, type of flow than what he'd shown on, on all of his other albums. But, like, just to kind of go there. Like, I, I feel like he could have gone, like, the Pharrell Williams route where he just completely sold out for, like, pop songs and putting them on the radio and, and just kind of singing along, like, that, that happy song. I mean, he he didn't do that at all. Like, he's, he's putting out stuff that really none of the songs can be played on the radio. And and it's all just because he kind of changes up his flow from album to album in a way that is is really difficult to do. So I, I think the at times there, there's certain songs where I, I'm not digging it as much, but I just think the, the degree of difficulty on, on a lot of his songs is really through the roof. Yeah, I'll give him credit for, as you mentioned, switching up the flow and being creative with the flow, but I just don't think there's enough uniqueness uh, to the flow for me to really jump on board. And it's, yeah, I see where you're coming from with Plus. It's just uh, fringe, I mean, fringe average. We don't have to agree. You yeah, know. I mean, let's it's, get to some high marks, though. Because we both got really high marks for longevity and impact. You got an 80 for both. I got 75 longevity, 80 impact. Uh, I mean, starting with Through the Wire until now, he's really been if one of, if not the biggest hip hop artist in the game. Yeah, I mean that's a long that's yeah, thir- thirteen years, yeah, yeah, twelve, three. thirteen years. I mean that, and to have you know all of his albums over that span just be pretty much heard by everyone, mm-hmm. and to be more relevant now than he was even then when he was just the, the hottest name in in hip-hop like back in like 2006 ish i would say he was probably the hottest name in hip-hop him and him and 50 cent were kind of on that famous rolling stone cover and they, it was like which one of these two guys is is the best like rapper <laughs> right now and just for kanye to still be kind of on top of that given where like 50 cent is i mean that just kind of speaks to how difficult it is to maintain that that level mm-hmm. of uh success for for that long an impact i mean with all the you, you mentioned the the young kids he's put on and really just influence on a lot of those new kind of new age hip-hop artists i mean chance obviously uh you know a lot of impact there and i think just with a lot of the more you know lyric conscious and, and kind of 
uh, social issue conscious artists we're hearing nowadays. I think he really kind of carried the ball there and influenced a lot of the guys we're seeing come up right now. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a rare, yeah, it's a kind of a rare. I feel like I forget we who we were talking about when we said this a while back, but it's really rare for guy. I think we might have been Lil Wayne. It's it's really rare for a hip hop artist to be someone that people who don't like hip hop have heard like mm-hmm. a lot of their music. Like it, it's you know everyone in like every country is pretty much aware of Kanye West's music, whether or not they like hip hop at all. And pretty much every rapper that's in their twenties came up listening to him pretty religiously. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's hard to argue that there's a, there's an 80 impact there. Yeah. Now let's get to the one where we really differ here. You got an 80 swag. I got a 45. Listen, I, I mentioned the clothing line. I, I'm not a fan. Uh, not that I'm the, a super fashionable Guy myself, but I just don't like it. Uh, Amber Rose tweets. Don't get me started on those. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have much to say, but I just think it's kind of funny. Uh, Kardashian, marrying into the Kardashian family, and being on Keeping Up with the Kardashians, mm-hmm. taken away from it. And, you know, just a lot of what he does publicly outside of the hip-hop realm just kind of, just kind of wears on me, wears thin on me. Even if it was... You know, just there, and I didn't have to look at it. I wouldn't care so much, but it's a lot of in-your-face stuff that, that dings the swag grade for me. Yeah, I I get that, and I think that you... Also, the, the, the video of him dancing, the vine of him uh, dancing, remember that one? I don't know if you've seen mm. that, but I just want to throw that out there. Too. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people... I don't know if it's the majority of people, but uh, definitely a lot of people do sort of side with you on just being kind of really put off by the public image he's putting out there. Mm. I kind of make a point when I'm, you know, sort of rooting for players and and sports to not care really about stuff they do off the court, as long as it's not a kind of a heinous crime. Like I don't, I don't care when people use PEDs really like it doesn't knock me to knock, knock them down in my book. Uh, I don't care when guys do drugs, if it doesn't really hurt their play on the field, you know, I don't care if guys get drunk and are caught on like TMZ or whatever. Um, You know, I I think I, this is maybe a controversial statement, but I I do think uh, Kanye West, like um, artistically as like a, just a, a musical mind is is kind of a genius like given just some of the beats that he's made and just some of the ideas he's had for for certain songs and i think that in a lot of ways he's uh sort of justified in in kind of wanting people that like like if you're someone that likes taylor swift's music uh like i get his sort of desire to just sort of be like hey no what's wrong with you like i'm i'm actually doing like stuff that's never been done before over here and mm-hmm. and she doesn't you know she she can't even sing in in pitch um yeah no i <laughs> like not. i i think that this it's it's the, nobody's really as confident in in how good they are at maybe anything than than Kanye West is at at how good he is at at making music and uh you know the 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 fashion stuff is uh 
I'm not as against some of the stuff he does there. I love the Yeezus shoes, uh, the Adidas Yeezuses. And, you know, he, he's gone. I think my, my girlfriend was telling me this. I, I wasn't keeping up on what was going on at the Met Gala, but he apparently showed up to this, like, really exclusive black tie event in New York wearing wearing jeans and uh, <laughs> and some contact lenses that, that had the those, like, kind of wolf or, like, tiger contact lenses. Um and I just I just think that takes takes a crazy amount of swag, and I think there's not a single guy, other than Jay Z in the rap game, that wouldn't trade uh, whoever they're getting with for Kardashian. <laughs> you and I can yeah. see through that family, and like and like I, yeah. I wouldn't want any I wouldn't want to be anywhere near the Kardashians, but like pretty much any athlete, any any hip hop star would would do anything they could to probably get with uh kim kardashian so I, yeah. I think in that sense you know if you if you were to use that as a reason why he doesn't have swag to to someone in the the industry they would just be really confused as to what you're talking about oh yeah trust me i mean that's a pull i mean i'm not <laughs> saying that any different but i just think i stand by that point I'm, I'm after, stand by having ray j's back though yeah I have, yeah exactly it's like i just think it may be a little damaged but uh, I give I give West West some high grades and look overall I got him at a sixty and I was looking back at at some of our other grades before settling on it and I feel pretty good about this he you know as much as I like well obviously I don't like him as much as you but I think he's I think it's fair to put him in in the class of the Scarfaces and the two shorts and the masterpiece <laughs> look I some people are gonna say two short masterpiece and just laugh but I think. Big picture in terms of how much I personally enjoy him as an artist, he falls in that range for me. Yeah, I give him a 70, which to me is, based on my previous grades, is right in between Lil Wayne and Nas, which uh, to me makes a lot of sense. I, I wouldn't ever put Kanye ahead of Nas as just a rapper based on the grades available to us here, and I definitely would, would probably take him over Lil Wayne just personally as a as someone that's listened to both of their music. I've generally preferred Kanye's just a tad bit more but yeah I mean I, I think definitely not an elite rapper by any means from just a, a talent perspective but as a you know based on these grades I think I, I felt pretty good about giving him a 70. Yeah I got him behind Lil Wayne by a five spot and I stick by that because I and, and a lot of it has to do with personal bias mm-hmm. you know and I've just liked Lil Wayne's music for a longer time I like Kanye West's music but sometimes uh, I'm rubbed the wrong way by, by some of the stuff he does but uh yeah interesting interesting grade and if you got any uh grades yourself hit us up on twitter at clay w link at real jr anderson again polarizing artist to grade yeah i i feel like uh you know i, I want to give you props for for coming on and, and grading him out i mean i know that you're probably the low man on him in uh, in a lot of respects you know especially if we were to bring in uh, Rotowire basketball scribe Nick Whalen. I'm, I'm sure he'd be kind of appalled at some of those grades, but uh, definitely give you props for for not holding back. And, and, and hey, uh, look, we we were talking yesterday, kind of settling on who to grade. I have not heard the entire life of Pablo because I have not. I refuse to subscribe to title, and I really got only the, a couple highlights. Uh, and I like the songs I've heard, but I, I want to throw out there that I've not heard that full album. I downloaded it illegally <laughs> should have done that but i also uh didn't really care enough to take to take that step which kind of speaks to 
uh, what I think of Kanye West. But <laughs> uh, guys, thank you for listening. That'll do it for us. Paul Spore, Todd Zola, we'll be with you guys tomorrow. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.